this month we've set aside, oh my God, that, that, that's good enough. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, some of y'all just need to laugh and quit about some things and quit being worried about things. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You sense what I'm sensing? It just, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Fill your heart with laughter, little Richard. This is an awesome subject matter that we are revisiting. We talk about vision, and, and usually our subject matters overlap and overlay. And that's to our benefit. But we have the, the Word of God to reinforce our position that God wants to take in the earth. I reminded the first our folks in the first service that um, once you make a decision that the Word of God is going to have the final say or the final authority, it is your introduction into the supernatural. That's how we get over into supernatural type things, where we get beyond these limits that have been supposed, supposed limitations and so forth in our life. I'll say that again. The moment you make the decision on a personal level, on your family units, and we as the body here, to let the Word of God be the final say or the final authority. When that happens, it's, it's our introduction into the supernatural. And suddenly we're getting beyond limitations that are supposed in other people's lives. Circumstances get overwhelmed. Situations get overrun. Because we're with God and what he has to say about us. Amen? Yes and amen. amen. As we talk about vision, Proverbs 29 makes it clear that without it, people perish. We've learned that that is one of the explanations for the chaos in people's life, the recklessness, the lack of discipline, all those kind of things. It's because of lack of vision, lack of vision. We've learned that vision originates from God. Originates from God is a function of the heart, not of your reasoning faculties, not the function of the heart. And vision that comes from God is loaded with destiny. You hear me? It is loaded with destiny. And it has personal and corporate benefit. Both should come into one stream. But destiny demands diligence and it demands discipline to stay in the fight. Are you listening? Vision originates from God and we have to live it. We have to invite vision. Vision is redemptive knowledge. It's, it's, it's God allowing you and I to see beyond what presently is. It's, it's, it's what it is. It lets you see. Isn't that right? And once you open the vision, and you should always be, it's loaded with destiny. And it, it'll affect you, your life on a personal level as well as a corporate group. But destiny demands diligence and discipline to stay in the fight. Because vision get, has opposition. There are persecutors, there are mockers, there are, you, you got you to deal with that, all right? And, but over time, the authenticity of your vision will, will manifest. It'll be real, not, it's real to you first. It'll be real to others when things start to manifest, when the vision starts to speak. But it has to be real, it has to be your reality now. It has to be, your, your reality has to be now in the face of stuff. It has to be real to you now, more real than what's trying to go on around you. 
Amen. Amen. And then eventually the vision will speak to the doubters and the powders, whatever, the mockers and all that kind of stuff. Don't get absorbed in that kind of thing. Amen. Just laying a little groundwork around here. Is that okay? God is and always will be universal. God is and always has been generational. And God is and always has been and will continue to be dispensational. You can see that not every time people live in that God's not involved in. And he has made countless attempts to involve himself in your life and mine. I think one scripture said be times, which really means continually. It's God, God is continually attempting to involve himself in your life on a personal level. He's always trying to reach you and always trying to advance you, always trying to strengthen you, always trying to get you someplace else, somewhere better, somewhere stronger. He's always attempting to do that. Now, Isaiah 48, uh, you've been around here a while. We used to teach it quite a bit, 17. He said, now, if you let me help you, if you, well, I think it's Isaiah 1. Let's go over there. Isaiah 48. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Revisit some things. Isaiah 48. I'm being dealt with about vision this year. Revisiting this. Hallelujah. Verse 17, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God which teacheth thee, the prophet, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. Oh my God, I just got some directions. I'm going to stay right here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 18, Oh, that thy head hearkened to my commandments or my word or my saying. We learned that hearken meant if you would listen, if you would listen to me with intent to do. We learned that. We learned that God said, now, if you listen to me with intent to do, and you go right on in, in the New Testament, and James talks about the doers and, and the listeners. He said, you know, some people are, he said, now, the doers are the ones that are getting results. Doer of the word, not just a hearer. Not just a listener and not just, now, look, it didn't exclude those, but that, it can't, that can't be all it is. The fact that you would take a note, you should. But that's not the end of it. You're going to have to re revisit the notes. You're going to have to meditate in what you're hearing because it builds capacity to receive. So <laughs> meditation is where understanding comes from. You can't just take the note and go home until next week and yeah. revisit the note. You're going to you're gonna have to do research in the note. You're going to have to meditate in the word, so in the word and in, in those, that information. That's what's going to build capacity for you to receive in life. So God said, if you listen to me, remember, he has assigned himself as a personal teacher for you to profit from or to benefit from. He said, if you listen to me, if you are hearken, listen with intent to do. Now listen, he said, to bless you. Verse 18, then had thy peace been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Now he's talking about stream and flow. He said, if you listen to me with intent to do, I would have introduced your life into a stream or to a flow by now. Your life would be flowing like a peaceful river now. I'll bring you to that kind of living. I'll bring you to a flow. I'll bring you to a strength. I'll bring your life to a flow. See, that intimidates some folks. Church folks got into their mind in some region that this mindset that where being a Christian means being, uh, life being a struggle. Life being difficult. Like there's some kind of virtue in, 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 in difficulty. So, that don't make you spiritual because 
because things are bad for you. It makes you a, a, a lot of things, but it's not spiritual. You see how I got around there? <laughs> see how kind I stayed right there? I'm doing real good, Kilson. Kilson always on me about being kind. I'm being kind. See, I could have said stupid, but I didn't. Uh-oh, it slipped that in. Right but no, it don't make you spiritual because of how difficult your life is. Amen? Oh, praise God. Settle down, RJ. Whew. Hallelujah. You know why I'm so excited? I'm convinced now that there are enough Christians that are coming to an area of light, illumination, and a courage to act on what they're hearing and seeing. That wealth or the good or the resources in earth are making its way back into life back into the lives of the rightful owners. Everybody say, that would be me. That would be me. The resources in the earth. The wealth in the earth. It's on its way back into the lives of the rightful owners. Hallelujah. Are you getting that? I'm going to try it on y'all over here because I think I said the resources are the good the wealth in the earth is making its way back into the lives of the rightful owners owners and that would be me that would be you hallelujah so it's insensible hallelujah you know I think God wants to receive right now lift your hands right there and receive that hallelujah hallelujah I receive in Jesus name amen Now, receive it on the level and at the pace that God is working with you. Don't be watching somebody else and trying to compare your life on the levels where they are or the pace that they're receiving. You just let God measure it into you at the pace he's got it moving towards you. Amen? And rest in that, man. Take your rest. Oh, my God. Father, you got me everywhere here. I'm going to stay with him. The wealth in the earth? Yeah, it's here. Joah 2 and 27. I'm just going to make reference to that. They can load it up if you want. But uh, it basically said the wealth in the earth being placed back in the lives of the rightful owners. And then if you notice, I said, boy, that triggered something in my, uh, when I was looking at this. Proverbs 20, uh, 13 and 22, a very familiar place. Let's go back over and look at it, okay? Proverbs 13 and then 22. Many of you can quote it. I can too, but it's good to read it. Just because you can quote it don't mean it's happening for you. <laughs> Amen? Let's measure back in. Thank you, Lord Jesus. A good man... There is a life that can come from a place of just hard work and having good morals that things can move from that person's life into the, their beneficiaries or their children and then their children. So the good man leaveth. He's what he's, that's what he's doing. He's leaving inheritance. He's leaving heritage. He's leaving something for the next generation. That's what he's doing. But there's a place beyond that. There's a place beyond 
um, just earning strength and those kind of there is a place beyond there a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children and the wealth of the sinner see that's just what you're able to get from labor right then that's good but there, the, the, the stream of wealth that God wants to bring in life is beyond what you can earn and what you can do. There's another stream out here, and it's in somebody else's life. It don't belong yet. Hallelujah. 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 There's, another, there's other wealth out here. It's in other people. It don't belong in their life. It's called the wealth of the sinner. Ill-gotten gain. They've gotten stuff the wrong way. They beat somebody. They stole it. They did all. It's ill-gotten gain. Even though you're doing the right thing, stop just thinking that's the limitation on God. Don't put that limitation on God that he's going to bless your life from your own hands. There's other streams out here that God wants to come to your life. It doesn't require the, uh, you know, the work of your own hands. Come on, come on. The wealth of the sinner. What's coming? The wealth of the sinner. Hallelujah. The wealth of the sinner is coming. Now you saw some, you saw some of that happening in, in the Old Testament in their dispensation. It's happening today. You will be living in houses you didn't build. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let them build. You'll be living in houses you didn't build. Don't limit God to what it what the, to being God in your life just on what you can do. He's got other people already building your stuff. Already putting stuff in place just for you. I read this in the Amplified Classic because I like to kind of track it, even though we're responsible for Revelation. I don't mind translations getting in there. I know it's not a substitute for Revelation, but translations can help us. And this particular translation, Amplified Classic, said this. He said, um, actually, it's, it's, it's the Good News Bible. I think it is. No, no, no. I'll get it said. It's Amplified Classic. The wealth of the sinner finding its way eventually. Everybody say eventually. Maybe not yet, but eventually. You ain't here. You ain't here. Maybe not yet, but eventually. See, that's expectation in place. Put your expectation. Maybe it didn't happen yet, but eventually. Eventually, into the hands or to the lives of the righteous for whom it was laid up for or intended. So what was laid up for me will eventually find me. It will eventually find me. And just because we hadn't connected yet don't mean that connection is not going to happen. Eventually it will. Are you getting that? So now we're seeing where, oh, vision? Yeah, God can talk to you. He talks to you in advance. God ain't got much to say about where you've been. 
He ain't got a lot to say about where you are. God's mostly talking about where he got. <laughs> I tell you, that's a hard dialogue with God to talk about how hard things have been, where you come from. That's a hard dialogue. That's a hard sell. I've tried it. It don't work. He won't engage. But say something about future and see where he comes from. Hallelujah. The only thing he wants you to be mindful in the past is your redemption. It's what Jesus did. I tried that dialogue. He won't engage. So we have conditioned. I haven't. I ain't owning that. We got too many Christians who've been conditioned by preachers to relate to preachers who talks about what's missing, what's wrong, how long it's been that way. They think that's related. That's a relatable place. If I say something about future, they can't relate. I don't know what are you talking about. God ain't had a whole lot to say about what, what's wrong, what's missing. Try that dialogue. You've already tried it. It don't work, does it? But raise your hands and say, Father, send me where you want me. What do you want out of me now? And watch him engage. Hallelujah. I tried it, man. I, that, 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 I, I went and preached one time, well, more than once. <laughs> I preached places where people weren't all that happy about what I had to say. <laughs> Move around a little bit and you, you run into that. And uh, they weren't very happy about what I had to say. And it can be a little disheartening. And you think, why am I even wasting my time saying it? You know, it can be a little disheartening. And after a while, Satan will convince you um, I don't know, that may be a little distinction between disheartened and discouraged. Or they may be so closely associated, you can't tell the difference between the two. Neither one's good for you. Loss of heart, fainting, collapsing, caving. That's why vision has to be stronger. I give, I give you a Bible illustration because I always like to use episodes to help you. It's not unusual for men and women of God to get there. Paul mentioned it in Corinthians. He said, I obtain mercy that I faint not. We obtain mercy. In this ministry, we obtain mercy that we faint not. What's he saying? In ministry, there are times you want to quit. In life, there are times you want to quit. He said that because of mercy, we don't. We don't faint. I don't collapse. Mercy is a force that keeps you on course. So you see that happening in him? So it happens in him. Apostle Paul on that ship, that thing is about, can you imagine out there in that storm, that hurricane, whatever it was, and that ship has been, can't get out of its clutches? Can't, can't get out of its clutches? It's inside that storm, and that thing is doing this right here, man, for days, weeks, going by. That could be pretty discouraging. I wouldn't want five minutes of that, long, long, three or four weeks of that stuff, two weeks or so, every how many days it was. And the Bible said that, Paul says it, when all hope was lost. He's revealing not just what's going on with the people, he got into that place. Well, he's thinking it's over. How many has ever been there? And guess what happened? An angel came that night, stood before him, 
and remind him. Where did Paul find his comfort? Where did Paul grab a hold of his reality? When the angel reminded him of his assignment and his destiny. You will stand. You will go before Caesar. You're going to end up. It's really bad right now. But vision is speaking what? Remember, Paul, he told you you would stand before this man. And what God has to say is going to invite the supernatural deliverance to you. He gets up the next day, Paul, a person the next day and said, listen, I know we all want to quit here, including me, <laughs> but it ain't over. For this night, an angel stood before me and reminded me. You got to be reminded what God has said to you. That's your future. That's your destiny. That's vision. And it's there to rescue you from any present dilemma. Rescue. When you look at Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk, go study a little bit. Well, how many chapters? Three, four chapters, two, three chapters. And he went before God with a, with, a, with a form of complaint. Where are you, God? Don't you see how we've been treated by this nation? They're stepping on us. They're mishandling us. They're doing us really bad. We're having a really bad time here. Where are you? And Habakkuk 2 said, then he said, I'm going to stand up on my watch and I'm going to see what you're going to say to me. One translator said, I'm going to see what you'll say in me. Because that's where it's got to reach. It's got to reach inside you. It's got to make its way, the information, the instruction, the insight has to make its way down inside you before it can anchor you. I will speak, I will listen to hear what he has to say in me. And God spoke. Write it down, make it plain, and he gave him vision. That was there, guys. Watch this. I wrote something down that might be, you might find helpful. Vision is what God sends to people who cry for him. He sends vision to answer heart cry. When people cry out, God sends vision to answer heart cry. He'll send a man with vision. This is not a, my um, personal enterprise. Numa's not a sole proprietorship here. The only explanation for us being here, somebody cried to God. That's vision. Anything less than that would probably be driven by ambition and manipulation. But vision represents advantage for all that it involved. Amen. Vision, say it with me. Vision is God's way to answer the hearts that cry. And it rescues those who are crying from any predicament that they might be perishing in. So your family may have, um, I, I wrote this down because I like to keep stuff right here. Don't let it get away from it. You may come from family difficulties. You may come from those kind of backgrounds. Everybody you saw had issues. Everybody you saw had was strung out on something. You may come from that place. You may come from family who had um, members that made up the household who had some real serious drug issues, alcohol issues, perversion issues. That's not the end of your life. That's not how you're labeled for life. 
That's why when God brings destiny, I mean, excuse me, vision into your life, when he lets you see more, when he lets you see reality, that's what you have to embrace. You embrace that. He said, that's mine. That's me you're talking to. Now, don't be going to other people who can't see anything, you know. <laughs> I can't tell you, sight is a, is, is a function of the, uh, of the eyes and the brain, all that kind of stuff. Vision is a function of the heart, the spirit. The Bible said that the spirit of a man is a candle of the Lord. God will light a man's spirit to light his life up. He'll light your spirit to light your life up. And that light is so intense that it burns through things. That's an intense light. You don't understand how intense God is. And you don't understand how intense you have to be. You need intensity. You need intensity. I said you need intensity. And I've told you this before, until you're intense about it, you're probably still unsure about it. Until you're intense about it, you're probably still unclear. Until you're intense about it, you're still pretty, you're probably indecisive. So you see, I was, uh, uh, was it yesterday, Greg, and you and Annie were sitting up here uh, a day or two ago, I was um, talking with a young man, you know, endeavoring to help him with his life. And I got pretty intense back there ministering to him. And I came up front looking at something. And Greg looked at me, Pastor, you okay? I said, I said yeah, you're just meeting intensity. <laughs> 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> People meet your intensity. Zest for living. Intense about it. Now, intensity doesn't, shouldn't be misinterpreted uh, and think it has anything to do with rudeness or overbearing. Um, None of those kind of things, but intensity has it has force to it, and it permeates and and it, it has reach to it, and it dominates in environments that you are a person responsible for. It represents your reach, your reach of strength and determination. It's there. You saw it on those those apostles in those streets when they brought all those people out there sick. Remember they brought them out there in the street, and they laid those people, those sick people down. Remember in, in the Book of Acts. And laid him in the street, and about King James said, they were wanting to get in the reach or in range of Peter's shadow. Guys, he's not talking about a natural shadow. There ain't no strength in that. We all cast a shadow, but there's no strength in that. He's talking about reach or range of power, strength. And in time, people got in reach or in range of that power, made a connection so they were being healed. And all Peter was doing is walking by them. Walking by them. So from that, we learned because of the level of intensity that God represents in us, there should be a reach of strength from us. A reach of strength from us, from our sphere of influence. There should be a reach. When people get around you, they just know. They ain't never met you. They never heard your name. But there's something about you that says to you that, that, that you know, that's a serious catch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amen? And they can sense force around you. Don't let that intimidate you. Let that be a representation of who you should be. I'm here as an example. I remind people this morning, God and I are raising up spiritual sisters now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You better get your hallelujahs back. We're picking around like a bunch of spiritual sisters. That ain't us. We ain't made up like that. It's not part of our character and our makeup, is it? with people that are intense. Now, one of the things, yeah, I will go there. 
Guys, you got to take this thing. Okay, go to Joshua 1, and we get ready to stop. Is this helping you? Oh, praise God. Helping me too. Joshua chapter 1. This is a reminder to most of us. Most of us can preach it, quote it, and all this. But it's good to revisit, isn't it? If you notice that at the beginning of the chapter, it mentions Moses' death. Also, almost in the same breath, it mentions Joshua's assignment. Moses dead, but now you. That system, that way is over, but now I'm bringing you. Now, you're an extension of this, you know, I get it. And in verse 2, he tells him, that Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. It's my understanding that God's given this man an assignment. Now, boy, <laughs> he ain't got something about like a day to get this, this understood. <laughs> I think it's something about like 24 hours later, God going to need him on, on his assignment. So he's doing some work in him. And look at this. He, he'd been preparing him for years under Moses' ministry, under his tutoring. And he ought to be at a place now, equipped enough, the way he can take a 24-hour assignment from God. Wow. Now listen, guys. I kind of, you're not listening to a wimpy man. You're not listening to a spiritual sissy up here. You're not listening to a compromise. And if you've been around me any length of time, you are more equipped in what you realize. So when you're ready for assignment, step to it. And if not, and it's not going to matter if you've never done it before. At the same time, you're fitting to do it. And you're fitting to use the stuff you don't learn. And you don't know how much you learn until it's time to do what it's time to do. And when it's time to do it, do it. It's going to work. Well, I don't know, because you won't do it. Exploit that anointing. Exploit it. When Eli There's no way Elijah could know that what Elijah meant to him or imparted to him would work until he said, all right, Elijah gone, y'all. But the work still has to go on. And I'm going to take everything he got for me, but I got to find out if this thing going to work. And I can't sit around wishing and hoping to see. So I'm going to pick up that mantle. I'm going to pick that mantle up. And I'm going to strike this water. I'm going to exploit this anointing. And when it did, the people were looking. The prophets were looking. And when the water, when the water responded like life will, life will respond to the anointing. What makes you think it won't? You're just going to have to export that anointing. You don't know it's going to work until an anointed person walks up on it and does something with it. And when you do that, what? The water split. And everybody knew the same stuff that was on Elijah is on Elisha. The same stuff that was on Moses is on Joshua. The same stuff that's on me is on you too. Hallelujah. There ain't no difference. It's the same stuff. Now, I'm, I, I got a couple of minutes. I'm going to try and see if I can get this set. It's extremely important that when you come in, I'm going to use this house, okay? That you, when you come in this house with this understanding, you're probably going to have a challenge 
finding another point of reference when it's not kindred. Don't expect me or the house to be like what you may have come from. You understand that? It's important to know how to get into the flow uh, of how a house is called. It's important to know that the man of God, who God used to found the work, founder of the work, that the house is going to flow the same way as the man is flowing. It's important that you know that. I tell you, if you don't like me, you're not going to like Numa. If you don't want me, you're not going to want the ministry. That's it. That's it. So I don't like that church. You don't like that man. But I'm in good company. The Bible said Jesus wasn't received. And particularly his own hometown, I checked it out. It said they didn't like him. They just didn't like him. They didn't like his personification. Talking about you and God talking like y'all know each other. Yeah, we won. I just keep trying to tell you. I keep trying to tell you. I keep trying to tell you. The dialogue is personal. They didn't like him. But the flow is there. Now, as a result of that, you represent some family, some household unit. Everybody sitting here does. It's extremely important that you begin to look into and gather insight into the calling of this house. So when the emphasis is placed in certain areas like they are right now, don't get disturbed and think, why don't they do something else? That's not the flow of the house. It's not the flow of the house. And God sent you to this house. Your membership was not solicited. Watch this. I'm going to show you something. Your membership is not solicited. It's recommended. God sent you. He recommended this one. When you cried to him, he recommended Numa to you. The recommendation was Numa to you. Because you cried, he recommended this house to you. So your membership wasn't solicited. It was recommended by God. And it has divine purpose linked to it and hooked to it. We're on the same page here. It's in there. Out of that, when you connect to that divine purpose, there'll be a power to come on your life you didn't know you had. It represents strength, power, favor, and influence. And influence. And you find yourself in places you thought only other people were had to be equipped to. God equipping you. I said, God is equipping you. He's going to place you in environments that you were never educated to be in. You're going to find yourself sitting at tables with people that you've never been, in their mind, qualified to be there. That's the equipping of the house. Now, what's important that you understand something now, that as you, as an individual, learn about this, and you discover these talents and the giftings and these anointings that's going to induce these strength into your life, and watch this, is that you allow the Holy Spirit to merge that into the 
corporate structure of the house. Therein lies your wealth. If you try to break out and just do your own like that and not allow God to merge you into the full stream of kingdom of God agenda, you're too likely to invite things in your life that God can't use. If you don't watch it, you'll invite illegal activity in. If you don't watch it, you'll invite immoral activity in. If you don't watch it, in the name of prospering. But see, when you bring that into the full stream of God's agenda, where true wealth is, there's no compromise. There's no compromise. So you ain't laughing when there ain't nothing funny. And you ain't scratching when you really ain't itching. You are more authentic. You're more real. You're the realest thing in the room. And God is there to endorse you. God is there to, to bless you. God is there to elevate you. God is there to accelerate you. Ah, we got a different life now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, we got to get through. All this come out of vision? Sure it does. Sure it does. And the faith gets in there. Let's close with this. Joshua, I need your courage in place. Verse 60, be strong and have good courage. We know, we learn over the past, over the years. And when he's talking about courage, he's talking about a part of your makeup that involves your will and your soul, soulishness. And so you will get some involved. Courage simply means, well, I'm going to use a simple term. It means will or willingness to begin to start or to implement. When you're talking about courage, it means, it means have enough, be willing to start anyway. Willing to begin. Willing to step. Courage. Everybody say courage. courage. Take courage. Like, take it. Take it. Reach up there and take your courage. You gotta have it if you're gonna get it anyway. Take courage. I read after, I may have been watching the movie this time, <laughs> but I heard this said and it stood out at me. I thought, they talk about, well, courageous people don't live long. They say, yeah, yeah but, but, uh, but the fearful don't live at all. They never live. They're afraid of life. Sick and tired of being where they are, but afraid to be someplace better. What a dilemma. Tragedy all in the same. So he said, and then in verse 7 he said, be very strong, and then be very courageous. So we learn in 6th verse that the word courage means will to start, will to begin. Will to implement, start. Be very courageous. What once you start, resist the thought or the temptation to stop or to quit. How many has ever been tested or tempted to stop? Everybody. Be what very courageous. Allow God to build such fortitude in you that when the thought of quitting comes, 
he don't even entertain it. He resists thought of quitting, thought of stopping. Now you hear the psalmist and I think it's the book of Psalms. He said, I would have fainted. I would have. I could have. And some say you should have. Had I not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, he said. Had I not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, he said, now I would have, and some would have been okay if I had. They would have understood. I know why you quit. I would have too. That's why you need to get away from the voices of quitters. Get away from quitters. They will teach you how to quit. Get what winning so they'll teach you how to win. Always having lunch and breakfast with people who done figured out how to quit. <laughs> Waiting on an opportunity to show you to justify why you need to quit. See, I told you. I told you. I said, come on, quit. They were waiting on you to quit. Encouraging you to quit. Wanting you to stop to justify how come they quit. I just don't hang out with quitters. I love them, but I don't I don't I can't be around quitters. They'll teach you how to quit. Hallelujah. Never let failure or the voice of failure foster or father over you. Never. I don't like to listen to people. I don't listen to people a half a second who wants to talk about quitting or something. I don't. You know, that's your business. It ain't my business. And it's not your business. But who's going to, where, where is the wealth? Whose life is the wealth going to be attracted to? The quitter? Or the winner. Wealth is attracted to the winners. It's attracted to the managers. It's attracted to those who don't have confidence. Wealth is attracted to you. And eventually will find you. Now, watch this. Stop thinking million dollars at once. All you need is indicators that it's coming. Just indicators. Oh, I see something here. Hey! All you need is indicators. How many times I driven to a restaurant parking lot full and drive right up to the front, people back out, and I pull right out. Yep, oh, it's about to be a good meal. That's an indicator. This is an anointed moment here. And guess what? I'm leaning in, I'm stepping in. And I'm about to enjoy something in my life here. In this moment. Everybody say indicators. It's indicators you won't pay attention to. I tell you, when I get a million dollars, no, baby, watch when five dollars show up out of nowhere about something. If one came, that's a monster. Indicator. Jesus was teaching about supernatural benefit. Go down there and get our taxes out of the mouth of that fish. And when the first fish come up, take that out. Well, there are going to be some more fish coming. The indicator. 
you pay attention to that. Amen. Um, I'm done. I'm going to work with the discipline. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. You know, one of the connectors for me, and I was hearing about this, and I'm always looking for what would connect me to more strength, more power. What would it position me to get greater results with God? We're going into a part of the service. It's the same service, same anointing. It doesn't change. Um, where God was working on me to maneuver me, situate me, position me for, for um, what I call um, mutual benefit in, in exchange. You know, people say, we've taken up all. I don't want anybody to take anything from you. It's not a moment where we take anything from you. It's an it's a invitation into a exchange with mutual benefit. When you're making exchanges with God, you find that everybody involved benefits. It has mutual benefit. And you see God talking to the tither in a way that's really personal. You see him engaging in a dialogue with a tither in ways he don't talk to other people. He makes rights and privileges available to those as it relates to tithing that he really doesn't do, seem to do with other people. For the tither, which I'll do this, I'll rebuke the devil. For the tithing, he goes on all that. Now, guys, don't let tithing intimidate you. Don't let tithing turn you off. It ought to turn you on once you get some understanding with it. And don't try to dismiss it or omit it like it was under another ceremonial thing with the law and all that. Tithing has always been. You see that problem with Cain and Abel. You, you were looking at a tithing event. The Cain and Abel. What got uh, Cain in trouble with Abel? Well, he brought his stuff in from the, from the field. And Abel brought his in from the, his livestock. The devil, that was both of their livelihood. Nothing wrong with you coming. We're not all carpenters in here. We're not all electricians, whatever the case may be. We all come from different walks of life, different trades and all this. Isn't that right? Not everybody in business, but everybody has an assignment from God. If you approach it like that, I don't care what you're doing, the anointing will be present. Amen? But all of a sudden, Cain's got these issues, man. And God accepted Abel's gift and rejected Cain's. Cain is wrong. He's been out of shape. He's angry. He's all upset. He's mad with God and, 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 um, and Abel. For sure, Abel. And God said, what's the matter with you? Why are you so angry about this? Well, God said, all right, sin. Boy, he said, if you don't deal with this anger and this competitive jealousy, it's basically it's going to destroy you. Listen to this. Tithing in the right heart right, can, 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 can bring some deliverance to you in areas where you need some real deliverance. If you're having a real jealous problem, you need to work on your tithing maybe and the tithing of. Having a real envy problem. You imagine you didn't break check your heart when you start handling these kind of things. If you're having that as an issue, check your heart when you're dealing with the communion. God told us, boy, this thing's gonna destroy you now if you don't deal with it. If you do well, if you do the right thing, doing the right spirit, said you that I don't make a difference between anybody. Have, I'm no respected person. How come Abel gets a different response from Cain? That's the reason why. 
It was a heart change. Heart change. He's all envy and jealous over, over Abel. And then look at, look at the lure. He tells Abel, let's go out in the field and do some work. He ain't got work on his mind. He got murder on his mind. And if I saw anyone ever have on their heart being around something or inviting somebody to something, it's other than for their welfare and all of that, you've got the wrong spirit. Well, he lured Abel out there and killed him. He had murder on his mind. You can't destroy the innocent. God told him he couldn't. Said that blood you thought, well, you know, he thought he did. Where, where, where's your brother? I'm not my brother's keeper. He said his blood, the innocent, is crying. Guys, be innocent. It always cried to God. Be innocent. Be pure in your actions and in your motives. It cries to God. God is at the defense of purity and innocence. It's a heart change. I've been with people before. I've shopped with people before. I've, I've been in places where I, I, I saw something on the rack. And I said, man, that's really nice. Then the other person saw it, and all of a sudden they wanted it. I'll just give it to them. I've done that so many times. Okay, praise God. I was in uh, some, I don't know where it was, maybe New York Philly somewhere, and uh, saw this Armani suit. I couldn't even spell Armani. <laughs> Let them buy it. But when I saw that suit, I said, man, that's a nice suit, you know. I know I picked up another suit, and I liked it. And when the guy, he already had him a suit. But when he saw mine, he liked that one. I said, well, take it. It's okay. Praise God. I just go and give it to him. So I kept looking and ran up on the Armani suit. I said, I told the manager, I said, well, y'all sell me this suit at this price because you got our stuff in sets. I don't think we're going to sell the money now. I said, go ask, man. So he went and asked, he came back. He said, he said he was selling it to you. I said, glory. <laughs> Mr. Armani. But when my other guy, who I thought was my friend, saw me with the Armani, all of a sudden, he didn't want the one other one I yielded to. He wants the Armani. Now you can have this one. <laughs> it's one thing to be kind. It's another thing to be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Not going to happen. And you wonder how come it's a heart thing. And God said, boy, if you don't get that out of your life, it's going to destroy you. And he took that murdering attitude and spirit into that field in the, under, the, uh, under the deception and killed his brother. First death. Now, you understand the hostility of God. He didn't just beat him to death, something like that. He couldn't have. You understand the life force involved. You're looking at people who were never in the early stages of eternal life. See, Adam was here to never die. Hard to kill a man who's got eternity in him. That's why you see him living 600, 700, 800 years. Because, boy, ain't no death in their mouth. Ain't no death in their life. You can't, it's hard to get them out of here. All they ever known is life from God. And God was trying to put that stronghold on them so death couldn't get in. They violated the thing. Remember that? The hostility in it. 
He had to remove a vital part from that man's life and separated it from the body so he couldn't reach and get the part that he needed to survive. You don't understand? That's how much life forces in him. You took out his heart, but if you laid it beside him, his body would reach and get it. You cut his, cut his head off, but you lay it beside him, his body would reach and get it. That's a life force. So he had to be so filled with evil. He had to separate a vital part of that man's body and walk it away from him. That's an evil heart when somebody wants to stand between you and good. It's a real injustice to God. I read it in the scripture just last night. I said, God, I don't want to mention that until I understand it. But he talked about fields that could be used, that are not being used. And so they can grow abundance and be distributed to the poor. He said, but the unjust just stands in the way so it don't get farmed. The land doesn't get farmed so it doesn't get harvested. So God forbid, if it don't come to me, I don't want it to go somebody else. Everything God brings into your life is not for you. Everything is showing up in your life is not for you. Some of that is God wanting to entrust you with what belongs to another person until you, he introduces you to them. The tithe is for your benefit. It ain't for your, for my consumption. One day you start, God help me to grow in this. I'm going to grow in this thing. And I'm going to see I'm supposed to eat out of, out of the fruit of this thing. Get it.